Hello, everybody. Welcome to another All the WrestleManias. I'm your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm your co-host, Rich Sigwald. We've got a good one for you today. We're here to talk about WrestleMania 24 from 2008. This is a very special COVID edition of All the WrestleManias. Uh, my wife and I, finally, it finally happened for us, folks. We, we, we thought it wasn't going to happen, and it finally did. Um, and appropriately enough, we caught it, we're pretty sure, by going to an indie wrestling show uh, last weekend here in Virginia, where we live now. So um, we're uh, doing all right. But I'm going to try my best not to uh, die mid-recording, uh, although that might actually help. It might get us uh, get us viral, <laughs> as it as it were. <laughs> How was that show? It looked looked awesome. What was the, who was the biggest name that was there? It was think? fun, actually. It was so it was VCW Virginia Championship Wrestling. The show was at the Norfolk, Virginia Masonic Lodge, which is a a fascinating old uh, marble building a pretty pretty big um like auditorium area with uh like stadium seating and stuff i don't know when it was built it looked like maybe the 20s or 30s it kind of had that old bank feel on the inside you know um yeah i mean from the picture you sent me it looked kind of art deco a little bit or like yeah it was pretty cool deco (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) downscale art deco Um, it was a little bit of a hassle to get in they had some trouble with their ticket system and but they had a good turnout i'd say they got i don't know 500 ish people which you know i mean i'm i'm guessing maybe that place would have seated uh a thousand twelve hundred if you really crammed them in um so the big attraction was brian pillman jr from aew um and they put him right at the top of the card actually first match of the night um up against a guy named uh Rio del Sangre, you know, Rivers of Blood, which I appreciated. Um, who actually was was really solid and they they did a really good match. Uh Brian Pillman Jr. is bigger in person than I would have realized from uh seeing him on TV. Um crowd was into it. He did uh he did I don't know, it was fun. He did a lot of fun stuff. There was some cool tag team stuff. There's a guy, a local guy, I think, um, just goes by Boar. He's a man <laughs> who's dressed like a boar. <laughs> He's I look so I looked him up and uh, he actually before just shortening it to boar he went by proletariat boar of Moldova that was his name um, which is pretty rad I don't know what the story is there um, is he some sort of communist I, yeah, I guess He's I fight a, for the proletariat as a boar. Maybe it's an animal farm reference. I don't know. Oh, oh. that'd be oh, pretty yeah. deep. Yeah, I ch- I almost got a shirt, um, and I but like the I just it was sort of chaotic, and I was kind of standing in the mix of people. Uh, probably not coincidentally where I <laughs> most most sure that I picked up the the Rona. Um, so, but he seemed like a good guy. Like little kids kept coming up to him and getting their picture taken, so they were into the boar. Um, so, and the main event was the Liberty Lottery, which was like a big 20 man battle royal. Um, we actually left before that happened. We were just kind of wearing out. It was a long, hot day. And the, uh, you know how these things go. And the COVID so, was already setting in. <laughs> it was already setting in. So anyway, yeah, VCW, uh, give them a shot. I think they're coming back in maybe October. So it seems to be a fairly active scene here, which is, you know, I was hoping that we would find something like that when we moved down here. So, well, you know, it's I'm glad that there there's something happening down there because just we know historically that like Norfolk, Hampton Roads, 
Richmond, that corridor, and then over to Charlotte. It was just mid-Atlantic, the best wrestling happening with Jim Crockett promotions all through there in the 70s and 80s. So I'm happy that uh, there's still something happening there and that you went and that uh, I'm not happy that you got COVID. (laughs) Yeah, no, I would would go again. Um, Get vaccinated, folks, please. Yeah. Please, this can end. Anyway, so that's that's that. Um, so uh, we uh, we we're excited to uh, get into WrestleMania 24. We're continuing our march through time uh, on our journey to finish all the WrestleManias eventually and, and live up to the name that we've put out there for you folks. We don't want to be branded as liars or or purveyors of false advertising. So March 30th, 2008, from the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, Florida kind of two fun things about that. First, it was the first ever WrestleMania to be held in Florida. And it was only the second one that was outdoors after Las Vegas and uh, WrestleMania number nine. So that's something. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Attendance on this one is 75,635 big event, uh, attendance record for the citrus bowl. Um, kind of a big deal. Pay-per-view buy rate was huge. 1.058 million. And the tagline on this one is the biggest WrestleMania under the sun. Get it? Because it's outside. And it's, yeah. Flor- it's Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I had some bones to pick about about the stuff that was with the whole thing of them being in Florida. Like, they kept blasting away that it's Florida, it's Florida. But they're in Orlando. But, like, all their imagery and, like, their clip art and stuff like that that they were using was very much more South Florida, Miami, uh, South Beach kind of stuff. Like, one like one of their backdrops that they were frequently using was actually just, like, the Art Deco hotels of South Beach. Uh, and it was like, you're not in Miami, you're in Orlando. And you're yeah, in You're a, not even close. You're no. several hours drive from Miami. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if they recognize how big of a state Florida is. Florida's really big. Uh, a couple of years ago, my wife and I drove from where we live outside of Washington, D.C., all the way to Key West. And it was we made it into a three-day drive. And that's because we had to take two of those days to get across Florida. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Florida. Get your shit together. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a little incongruous. And I mean, to be honest, who wants to advertise that they're in Orlando? I mean, it's um, no offense to anybody in Orlando, but it's fucking terrible. Like uh, our big library conference was there a few years back and the, the whole place is like a, it's, it's like a giant outdoor mall, like the entire city. Yeah. Um, and I was I was not a fan. And it's like 110 degrees constantly. Uh, I was kind of hoping to get eaten by an alligator just to end my suffering, but I couldn't find alligator one more Florida bullshit. I'm like, I'm down here. I want to at least fight an alligator, maybe get murdered by one and nothing. Yeah. My nightmare of going to Orlando was uh, here comes the nerd card. Uh, card. the, The first big trip that my wife and I took together when we were dating was to go to Orlando to go to something called leaky con, which was a Harry Potter oriented convention but it also featured a lot of young adult author stuff. And so uh, we were going to that together. And I just remember we landed on, in Orlando on a two-hour flight from Baltimore. And then 
it took 45 minutes to taxi across all the damn runways <laughs> to get to the gate. Our, yeah. I we thought that they were just taking us right to our hotel from the airplane. Like, what is happening? Just driving down the highway in a plane. <laughs> yeah, this airport. The airport is massive, and it's beep, beep. very confusing. Uh, and then we we rented a car, and the car that we rented didn't have Sun Pass. So when we were taking the highway, <laughs> we had to stop like every mile and dig for like one dollars worth of change to feed the little toll booth to keep going down the highway. It was such a nightmare. So when we did our trip to Key West, despite living out of state, I ordered a Sun Pass over the phone to be delivered to us (laughs) (laughs) so that when we did drive through Florida, we didn't deal with that nightmare shit again. Smart. Well, now you have it. If God forbid you ever have to go back to Florida on purpose, it's just just waiting for you. Is there any money left on it? Do you know? Uh, there probably is a couple bucks, but it was uh, it came in handy because yeah. the uh, Florida Turnpike is expensive AF going from like Jacksonville to Miami. So, so what is the leaky and leaky con refer I th- to? I think it's referring to the leaky cauldron. I don't know what the fuck that is. I think that was like the like the the pub or something like that was the name of it. Okay. Oh, yeah, so the coolest part of that whole thing was that with the convention, we got uh, private access to Harry Potter World at Universal Studios uh, with an extra fee. And so we paid extra. We got to go to Universal Studios for like half the day. And then after the park closed at like 7, we got to stay in the park until like 1 a.m. And just in the Harry Potter area. And it was just like a group of like 100 people. Are Harry and, Potter nerds allowed to stay up that late? Uh, I think some of them were struggling. Um, <laughs> but uh, when they be at home with their cats is my is my question. True, but when there's bottomless butter beer to be had, and uh, you can get on the rides as much as you wanted without any lines, the nerds will will fight to stay up and and uh, put their knitting away. Okay. I don't want to get too far into Harry Potter. Uh, I, I literally have, have zero interest in books written for children, but I hate Harry uh, Potter. I don't like aren't it. They, um, just, but. Aren't they like adolescents in those books? Why do they, why are they going to a pub? Is, uh, are the, um, are the drinking age laws like that different in wizard worlds times, I'm, whatever? I'm not quite sure what the whole deal is with that, but it's, okay. uh, like I quit after book three reading them because i read the first one and then i was told oh well the first one's not very good read the second one it's better i read the second one it's like eh. and then someone was like oh the second book's not that good the third book is really where it's at so i read the third one and then they're like oh no 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 not the third one the fourth one is where like things really take off and like i've fallen for you twice this not is definitely again. a trick yeah We're definitely gone. a trick done yeah. So as opposed to um the Dune series where like everybody just says, Yeah, read the first one, maybe skim the second one if you're feeling a little peckish, and then burn every other copy of it that you see because they're all terrible after that. So that's that's my that's the approach that I really like. Like let's let's quit fucking around here. So and then of course it went on to publish, I don't know, forty more volumes and eighteen million pages. Um and lots of nerds like it, and we are happy for them. We're glad that they like it. We're glad that they go to, or go to Disney World. Um, 
if they had gone in 2008 and Harry Potter wasn't there yet, um, had Harry Potter even been written yet in 2008? I don't remember. Um, they could have gone to WrestleMania 24 and been part of that crowd of 75,000. And they would have had a pretty good time actually from watching this show. Cause I, I kind of enjoyed this. This was, I, I was moderately to greatly entertained through this like whole thing. Yeah, despite some of the weirdness that was happening, I I really was happy uh, because this was the first WrestleMania in high definition. Oh, I didn't know that. This this is the first one broadcast in high def, and I I just got a brand new television, so it looked beautiful (laughs) on my beautiful new 55-inch Fire TV that I got on Prime Day. Well, maybe that's why I enjoyed this one so much. It just like looks... It looks a lot better. Um, Yeah. Hmm. And this was, it was frustrating to me at the time because HD had been around for quite a, for, I'm not going to say quite a while, but for a decent amount of time. And WWE was one of the late adopters to to change their stuff over, which I understand because at the time they're running three different shows, three different crews, three different brands completely. So that would be three different sets of HD cameras that they would have to buy, three different updated, like probably satellite feeds, updated everything to, to do that. And it's probably was probably very expensive to transition. And so uh, it was frustrating to me that like my, I had bought an HD TV. I was a fairly early adopter and all my television shows at that point, like 24 and stuff like that, had had jumped up to HD. But damn it, wrestling still wasn't. <laughs> Monday Night Raw was still in that damn blurry 4x3 resolution standard uh, definition. And then finally, WrestleMania 24 comes along, and it's in high def, and it's beautiful. It's very cinematic looking now, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. And the, the, old, uh, the old resolution, you could barely even see... St- Stephen Austin, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen, <laughs> Stephen Austin, Steve Austin's middle fingers when they were, you know, just sort of blurry stubs on the end of his hand. You just had to assume uh, that it was the middle finger, but now yeah. you can see the nail, you can see the wrinkles and <laughs> the knuckle. <laughs> can see the scabs where he's busted it on somebody's head. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the, the usual crew on commentary here, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler for the Raw team, Michael Cole and Jonathan Coachman oof, for SmackDown, and Taz and Joey Styles for ECW. Um, this is a sort of interesting WrestleMania. We're back to uh, some of the celebrity guest stuff. Um, so there's a guest hostess, which is Kim Kardashian, and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Master of Ceremonies is Snoop Dogg, um, which I... I appreciated. Um, so one thing that this made me realize is that Kim Kardashian has been famous for a, a ridiculously long amount of time. I don't know when her like sex tape thing came out, but like I would have sworn that she was only maybe a 10 year old phenomenon at the, at the most, but no, apparently she's been around since at least 2008 and people obviously knew who she was and she looked like she had had a decent amount of plastic surgery by then. So she was probably famous for a bit before this, obviously. Yeah, is this when she was dating Reggie Bush? I, you know, I have no idea, and I'm Famous not going to Google player. it. I'm um, not going to Google it. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yeah, she. The, I would say that the crowd knows who she is. I wouldn't say the crowd is happy that she's there and celebrating <laughs> it. Yeah, they don't seem particularly. Uh, They're like, "Oh, it's Kim Kardashian! Yay!" Yeah, I have but, heard um, that name. Yeah, 
so the first time that she's on mic happens after the first match, and we might as well just get it out of the way here. She says that the atmosphere backstage at the Super Bowl is so exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is, I'm sure. <laughs> Kim, do you Did- know where you're at? <laughs> Did she do the Super Bowl that year? Maybe she was just had a flashback. I, I don't know why she would have been at the Super Bowl that year or actually on the air for the Super Bowl, but here we are. She <laughs> believes she's at the Super Bowl. and Aww, um, Bless yeah. her heart. Yeah, it's sad. We also get John Legend singing America the Beautiful. Uh, he, he does a nice job. He really, really Top wants notch. to be He really wants to be our Marvin Gaye, and he's, he's not, but I, I appreciate the effort. I like John Legend. I like him a lot. I enjoy his voice. I enjoy the work when I hear it. Uh, so, And I think he did a really good job with this uh, performance. Oh, yeah. Good, and yeah, good stuff. The HD change also forced the WWE to finally update all their, like, patriotic <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, film art. footage <laughs> and stuff like that. So, like, it had to be, like, a high-def uh, recording now of a flyover and like high def of soldiers and a high def video of the Marine Memorial in DC. The Washington so, Monument. Yeah, Don't and the forget. Washington Monument. Yeah, so it's it's top notch. Uh the pre- presentation is is jumped up quite a bit so far. Yeah. Unrelated John Legend question. Did you watch the Jesus Christ Superstar they think they did on TV a little while back? I did. I did. It was, was all right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway. I I, I like Jesus Christ Superstar. I think it was interesting that they did it on Easter because yeah. it's not. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's not it, remotely devout. No, no, it doesn't have a message that Christians really want out there. Because I mean, basically, the overall message of the show is: Why did he choose then <laughs> to show right. up? We need him now, not then. And it would have been a lot easier for him to show up now. So what's happening? Maybe yeah, maybe a little sacrilegious. I remember my my wife and I. We're, again, we're sort of way off topic. My wife and I went to a production of Jesus Christ Superstar in Richmond uh, when they did one of those, you know, sort of taking Broadway to your town kind of things. Uh, and we had missed the one in Baltimore, and I really wanted to see it, so we drove down to Richmond. And after there were people like, I guess, protesting. I don't know if that's the right word. And they had like signs and stuff about like you know, that, that version is bad. You should read the real version. I'm like, I've read the real version. I like this one better. Yeah. So, this one's catchier. It has, this a, one has dope songs. Yeah. This one yeah. has a better baseline. Yeah. Um, the, it has the guy from deep purple. I mean, not that production, but you know, the original. Yeah. Um, I think anyway. that that tour when, when it came to Baltimore. So, uh, at that time I worked for the public library in Baltimore County and I was pulling into the parking garage in Towson and right as I was making the left into the garage my phone rang and it was my mom so okay mom is calling me at 8 15 in the morning who's dead panic right what just <laughs> happened so I answer the phone like mom is everything all right she's like yeah did you know Jesus Christ Superstar is starting in Baltimore this weekend like okay is is dad okay? Like, what's is, is my brother okay? What, are you okay? What's happening? The house she's burned like, down. She's like, yeah, everything's fine. Just I just wanted to let you know that Jesus Christ Superstar is coming to Baltimore this weekend. Okay, mom. Thanks. <laughs> did you go and did you take your mom? No, but like I nearly wrecked my car pulling into the garage. <laughs> You're about to meet Jesus for real. Yeah, I was about to be a superstar with him. So, um. <laughs> And you're like, mom, why did you choose now? 
Right. That's like, a callback. Boy, I need to I need to get my mom to learn how to text. That could just be a text. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you're sh- then you're texting while driving, which is also also dangerous. Don't text and drive, folks. Even if it's about Jesus Christ Superstar, it could have just I could have just seen it as I was walking into work, or as I sat in my car crying a little bit before going in and looking at my phone. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, you left that job. Anyway, we're again we're we're sort of so we've covered a lot of ground so far. We've we've covered um <laughs> we've covered Harry Potter. We've carried covered the uh 200 degree Walmart hellhole that is Orlando, Florida, and now we've covered Jesus Christ Superstar. So I think let's maybe talk about some wrestling before everyone just switches <laughs> over to Joe Rogan. What do Look, you think? There's lizard people living under our feet as we speak. Right now, Judas Iscariot knew. He knew. Look it up. Look it up. All everything's right there in front of you. The information is there. You just need to look at it. Do your research. All right. So, first match. You ready to do this? Yeah. <laughs> the first match is JBL John Bradshaw Layfield versus Finley. Uh, who's there with Hornswoggle. This is a Belfast brawl, which is a nice way of saying it's a hardcore, no rules, whatever, no disqualification, smash people with trash cans match. Um, The setup is something having to do with Hornswoggle um, being passed off as Vince McMahon's son, but then he's been revealed to not really be Vince McMahon's son. After all, he is Finley's son the whole time, which who could have guessed that the one giant, Irish guy with the Irish name and the Irish gimmick would actually be the father of the leprechaun. leprechaun. <laughs> um, so that, that one, yeah, it blew me away. I I was I was shook, as the kids say. Yeah, uh, this is this is uh, gimmick match number one of the night. Um, I never noticed the cows that moo during JBL's uh, Dallas like theme song. <laughs> I never I never noticed that until watching it today this time and it was just like da 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 da, da moo <laughs> like just like tons of mooing like it's very frequent uh, i think those are steers yeah i don't know the cows it's i'm not cows. a ra- I mean, i'm not a cattle rancher <laughs> neither am i but i'm calling it it's cows mooing it's cows mooing okay. all um, right i'm i'm with that yeah there's a there's some serious violence in this match <laughs> yes Maybe it just looks better in high def, uh, but I was maybe not expecting that for like the top of the card. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's a uh, harsh welcome to Orlando. I didn't understand the opening of the match when like Finley is just outside throwing all the weapons into the ring at JBL, and then JBL just catches one. And the moment Finley gets into the ring, he gets smashed because he doesn't actually carry any of them into the ring with him. Uh, so <laughs> not very smart. Like, hey, thanks no. for the chair, right? Uh, and then at one point, uh, JBL brings in the uh, ring steps, and the little peg on the bottom of the ring step actually punctures the mat. You can see that the mat gets damaged, and uh, the ref and Finlay and JBL at some point all check on it and rub the mat to see if like it's like compromised to the point where they can no longer fight on it. I missed that one. I'm probably uh, also kind of grateful that that peg didn't like, I don't know, go in somebody's <laughs> chest yeah. or face. Yeah. It's more of a Detroit welcome than an Orlando welcome, I say. Yeah. The, um, 
there isn't there isn't much to this match except for everybody getting hit in the face with cookie sheets um and i think everybody gets brain damage coming out of this match even hornswoggle who's outside of the ring uh jbl occasionally just throws crap at him and pegs him in the face with it um he he hits him right in the head with a trash can he just like tosses it at him uh, the best part of the match really was when like uh, Finlay is pretty pretty roughed up and JBL is standing over him like screaming at him, "Get up, get up, come on, Finlay!" And he calls him something, but I couldn't make it out what exactly he called him. It sounded pretty profane, uh, but I couldn't pinpoint it, so I didn't want to be spreading lies in our podcast. You heard it here first, first folks. JBL's anti-Irish. Yeah, pretty much. I heard I heard he said on his podcast that the potato famine was a good thing. That's what I heard. <laughs> That's how he made all his money, I guess. And maybe off of the potato famine somehow. Yeah. Um but family I th- money. I think all the headshots in this match is why JBL looked so miserable at the last WrestleMania. <laughs> like if you remember, he was just like sitting there miserable, squinting. It's like the worst look on his face the entire time. And I'm pretty certain it's because he took like 15 shots from a cookie sheet during this match and that led to it. I thought maybe it was just because he just realized that he was about to have to watch like 15 hours of modern WrestleMania. Um maybe a little bit of both. <laughs> and yeah, it's probably a mix. The wrap-up to this one is just as violent as the rest of it. Um, JBL nearly takes Finley's head off with that clothesline of his, uh, gets the pinfall. I, I actually thought this was better than it had any right to be. I usually don't like these kind of hardcore things with the trash cans, but this was actually kind of fun. Maybe I was just in the right mood for it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I normally don't like them either that much, but this one, for some reason, was... Uh... I don't know if I would say I liked it, but it was it was scratching an itch that I didn't know was there, I would say. Like I think it's just because I like JBL's like no nonsense, very brash style, and I kinda like that with Finlay as well. So it was good to just see these guys, you know, beat the crap out of each other. Yeah. So Finlay is like the I don't know if he's actually Irish or not. It doesn't really matter. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. So he's like the actual Irish uh, fighting guy, whereas uh, Seamus is like the Epcot Center Irish fighting guy. You know, it's like the put it through the uh, put it through the Coca-Cola machine. Yeah, Finlay is actually from Ireland, and oh, uh, his last name is actually Finlay, and he's from Carrickfergus County, Antrim, uh, Northern Ireland. Hmm. There's a beautiful so uh, song called Carrick Fergus that gets uh, adapted quite a bit. I'll sing it to you later. It's ca- oh, it can't great. be in can't, it can't be in copyright. I think it's probably it's traditional, right? So, yeah. all right, let's let's move on before people start throwing up. We got another gimmick match. We've got a Money in the Bank ladder match, uh, which, as you remember, of course, uh, the winner, the person who can crawl up a ladder the fastest slash slowest and grab the briefcase can use it later down the road to cash in for a title shot of their choice. Um, so the talent on display here is CM Punk, which is cool. Shelton Benjamin, Chris Jericho, Carlito, MVP, Mr. Kennedy, and John Morrison. So this is the fourth annual one of these at a WrestleMania. And apparently Jeff Hardy was also supposed to be involved in this one but he quote unquote violated the wellness policy shock AKA failed the drug test uh, and was removed from this particular event. So, um, so we don't get to see him here, but the rest of these guys are top notch talents. Yeah. 
And it's, again, though, with John Morrison in this match and MVP in this match, it means that the tag titles won't be defended at WrestleMania, and it means that the U.S. championship won't be defended either. And Jericho's in this match, who was the Intercontinental Champion, so that belt doesn't get defended either at WrestleMania. Well, they had to make room for the Playboy golf cart uh, lumber Jane thing that comes later. You don't want to, you don't want to overstuff mm. your show. I guess not. I guess you don't want to actually like defend the titles and put your best talent on display, right? You'd rather <laughs> you'd just rather put them all in a possible career-ending match together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a, I don't know. There's, this also kind of turned out to be pretty entertaining. Some of these guys we really have liked. Um, this is our first, this isn't our first John Morrison thing, but it's sort of his first like major. I think this is his first WrestleMania. Was he in a, I feel like he was in like a battle Royal or something, or maybe he was a tough enough guy. Showed up. Maybe he showed up ringside somewhere along the way. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's definitely the first time we've seen him, like, wrestle, wrestle. Um, and Shelton Benjamin, we've called out before for these matches. Because that dude is fucking fearless. Like, he'd just do shit to his body that I, I don't understand Yeah, uh, how he can walk. But he's he's a lot of fun. Um, and the rest of them actually are really good, too. Yeah, I mean, this, this match has its standard violence. It has its standard uh, ladder spots pretty much in it. This is the second gimmick match of the night. And uh, you do get some interesting moves, some some things that we've never seen before, like John Morrison uh, doing a moonsault off the top rope onto people outside of the ring holding a ladder. Like, he just, <laughs> like, holy yeah, crap. that was pretty good. <laughs> um, and then they, uh, Benjamin is, is near the top of the ladder and Jericho and Carlito tip the ladder and Benjamin goes flying out of the ring and lands on top of a suspended ladder, uh, a la Jeff Hardy from the year before. And uh, Carlito stands there staring in disbelief. Like it's possible yeah. he actually <laughs> thinks that he killed Shelton Benjamin. And then he gets his ass beat for just standing there staring. You got to just keep fighting, man. You can't stop and admire the wreckage as much as you want to. Yeah. Um, I thought that was kind of a funny spot, actually. Um, yeah. Um, there's a, there's another spot where I think it's, let me see. I think, yeah, Kennedy and Morrison are up on top of the ladder and Benjamin like climbs up and sunset flips um, Kennedy, who's sort of hanging on to Morrison. So all three of them go, you know, ass over teacups off the ladder. <laughs> that was a really rough spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Benjamin grabs, hold, jumps and grabs hold of, of Kennedy, who is about to do a vertical suplex on Morrison off the ladder. So Kennedy gets pulled in like in the sunset flip, which then in turn pulls Morrison over top of all three of them down to the bottom of the mat in a very, very spectacular fashion. Yeah, it was uh, pretty scary. Yeah. Like that. So yeah, there's some there's some fun stuff here. I liked um I like people bouncing off the middle rope and like springboarding out onto the ladder that always yeah. amuses me um matt hardy kind of comes in as a surprise here i guess because he's he wants to get even with mvp because uh mvp had screwed him out of something before and so matt has been off for a injury um so the crowd flips out when he comes running in people weren't expecting that uh, and he kind of screws mvp out of getting the briefcase yeah which basically leaves it hanging there all alone for the last man standing CM Punk. <laughs> like Mussolini. 
but he doesn't have that song yet for his thing. But no, um, he had a huge pop for the crowd coming out. Yeah, I was I was really impressed when he was announced, and like the crowd went crazy for him. So CM Punk's got himself over, and then he gets this win. He was popular. Um, I remember seeing um, him. I want to say around 2005 or so, the WWE did this sort of series of um, kind of they kind of went and did like local shows for a change, sort of unusual. And they played a bunch of places around. Um, they did the Prince George's County uh, Equestrian Center out at the PG County Fairgrounds, yep. way out in Upper Marlboro. And we went. And it was very, it was very small, um, but he was there and a bunch of other people. It was it was cool. Like and that crowd was into him, man. So. Yeah, but he uh, gets he traps Jericho's leg on the ladder and manages to pop up there and grab the briefcase to uh, set himself up for a title shot. All right. Next up, uh, part of the show we always enjoy. It's time for the Hall of Fame inductees, the class of 2008. Uh, this year, they, uh, they inducted the Briscoe brothers, Jack and Jerry, um, Gordon Sully, a longtime, what, NWA WCW announcer, yeah, yeah, um, um, who had passed before this, so he was represented by his family. Um, promoter Eddie Graham, who's represented by his son Mike, he is also gone by the time of this show. May Young, who's there with Pat Patterson, uh, Soul Man Rocky Johnson, inducted by his son, of course, The Rock, and High Chief Peter Maivia, who's represented by his wife, uh, widow Leah and daughter Atta, who's, you know, also the rock's mom. If you watch the young rock, you know, all this genealogy, which is the best way to get your, your history from an NBC scripted series. That airs on the <laughs> Or Peacock. you could listen to our episode, uh, I know I, uh, family legacy where we talk you could. about rock a bit. Yeah. That'd be a much better thing to do. That's much more, much more reliable than the young rock. <laughs> Anyway, and then the last at the top of the card here is Ric Flair, who's represented by his family, including a, a young Ashley, a.k.a. Charlotte, uh, there on stage with him. So that was kind of fun. Woo! Um, so I thought, so this is a, this is a good class. Um, the interesting thing about this class is that really only, well, Ric Flair had been with... Uh, WWE quite a while at this point, but that's again only half of his career. Yeah. Um, High Chief Peter Maivia, who had no affiliation with uh, WWF or uh, WWF, right? Right. Um, High Chief Peter Maivia wrestled with the Worldwide Wrestling Federation from 1970 to 1981. Rocky Johnson, I guess, had wrestled for Vince a bit. Yeah, for a decent period. Yeah. Tag champion and everything. Mae Young did, of course. Um, Eddie Graham, though, I don't. He was. Um, no. He was in Florida, right? He was. Yeah. He was uh, Florida and uh, head of NWA for a while, president of NWA. Yeah, and of course, Gordon Sully was you know affiliated with with uh, another promotion. Um, anyway, it's it's sort of a mixed bag. It's kind of like they're stretching a little bit, um, 
Yeah, I mean, find... this is the second class where they do that big time. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's a good class. I enjoy a chance to see the folks. Um, I will point out again, though, that, you know, you stretched out to grab uh, Eddie Graham and Gordon Sully, and you're know, not saying they don't deserve to be in there, but uh, still no demolition, really? Right. Right. <laughs> right. WWE <laughs> bullshit. Induct demolition, you cowards. Right. And I mean, I don't even care if like, I mean, I would love it to be as demolition, but if they just put Billy Eadie in as like the mass superstar and then, uh, uh, Darso as fuck it, call him repo man. If you want in the induction <laughs> or like, or put him in as, a uh, as crusher Khrushchev, like anything, just get those two in the hall of fame, please. I'm also was like startled by how well, uh, they casted uh, Leah and Atta in The Young Rock to how much they look like their real life counterparts in this in this segment. I hadn't really seen them before, and it was just like, is this this the cast of The Young Rock standing? Yeah, there? no, but it was no. crazy. They actually casted people that looked very much like the real people, which is impressive. Yeah, I actually had looked at um, I had looked up pictures of them. Right. One of the pictures that popped up was I'm like, oh, well, that's that's the actress from the show. And I looked at it a little closer. I'm like, no, no, it's actually not. Uh, yeah. Like, oh, wow. OK. Anyway, fun segment. Uh, nice, you know, nice tribute to folks who definitely deserve it. Shout out to uh, Jerry Briscoe for posting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was a tweet or an Instagram thing with him holding a lit match last week. Said, <laughs> said this is my last match uh, in response to the Ric Flair thing. Peak dad joke there, Jerry. Yeah. We appreciate that. Yeah. I, there's also like we keep getting uh, close up camera shots of Ric Flair's one son just like on the verge of tears the entire time. And I can't tell if he just looks like that or if he's literally just been crying the entire weekend. Yeah. He looks like an emotional mess. <laughs> he's devastated. I. Uh, like, I don't know if we could go back in time and let him know that this isn't really his dad's last match this night <laughs> or if like that would help or, or did what, he think, but like he's destroyed. Did he think Ric Flair was going to like stop being famous or the greatest wrestler of all time? Like just because right. he had stopped wrestling. Like, yeah. Are anyway. you just upset that your dad's not going to, you think your dad's not going to be famous anymore? Like get it together, kid. Poor kid. Get it together. It's Ric fucking Flair. They're still writing songs about him. Yeah, so <laughs> they're probably writing okay. more songs about him now than they were doing then. Right. So rappers are super into Ric Flair these days, and he's trying to sell me car insurance on TV. Yeah, uh, I don't know how I feel about that, but hey, he's he's got bills. Um, so there's a sign alert on the way to our next match, which is B- Batista versus Umaga. Uh, I assume you caught this. It says we want Hogan. Yes, it's in the it's in the aisle. I think as Batista comes down, and I'm like, I said out loud, Mo, we no, we most definitely fucking do not. No, no, but you know who I do want? Stone Cold. Stone Cold's nowhere on this show. It's the first time in a very long time we have no Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it's tragedy. And there's no beers. There's no middle fingers. There's no bottom line. There's nothing. There's no because I said so happening, and that makes me sad. So nobody getting stunnered. No. Yeah. What kind of jackass comes to a show in 2008 saying we want Hogan? Uh, <laughs> a dipshit. That's who. <laughs> Sir, 1988 called and wants your sign back. You yeah, fucking please. jackass. 
please, you're in the wrong stadium. You're in the wrong era. We're done with Hogan. We're done with him. <laughs> he was a bad guy. Read the blog post. He was a bad yeah. guy the entire time. You don't want him here. So I feel bad for Batista who has to walk down and see nonsense like that, you know? Yeah. He's just trying to have a belly button tattoo and go about his work. And it's such a long walk. <laughs> so far. <laughs> it looks exhausting. Like, if they had the Royal Rumble at, at the stadium in this setup, it would take them, like, by the time the first entry like would reach the ring, they would already hit the timer for the next person to come out and go to the ring. Like you would have like three or four wrestlers just like progressing down the aisle at all times during the Royal Rumble. It would be uh, exhausting. Might be a way to kind of keep it going, you know? Yeah. They could start having fights in the aisle on the way down. Like there could be like a whole second battle Royal happening on the way to the actual <laughs> battle Royal. <laughs> I would watch that. It'd have to yeah. come up with a clever name for it, but I'd I'd be into that. Yeah. Anarchy in the aisles. See? Top notch. Writes itself. I will take one million dollars, please. Um, so we're sticking with the high violence quotient for this match and this evening. Uh, and I'm I'm all together here for it. I think Umaga is still terrifying. Batista looks like a million bucks. They put on a really good show. Yeah. Despite his like weird squat machine gun holding like gesture on his way to the ring with the fireworks. I don't quite understand that any either way. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the real pity of this whole match is that William Regal mispronounces Umaga's name and then Jerry Lawler mispronounces Lawler's name or, or uh, Umaga's name. They keep calling Umanga. Uh, <laughs> That's the little Japanese magazines for nerds. <laughs> That's that's different. That's that's just manga. That's oh, this is an all nerd episode here on all the rest of me. You manga? No, this is me. I don't know. I don't know. If you like us uh, cramping on your nerd culture, please email us <laughs> all the rest of me is at gmail dot com. We just want to get some email, please. You can find yeah. us on Facebook too if you're really mad about it. Uh, Instagram. Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. I didn't do this at the top, so I'm just going to do it now. Um, just, uh, just know that behind me is a whole wall of board games. <laughs> okay, <sighs> my testicles are shriveling up as we talk. Right. And then to the right of me is my vinyl record collection, and in front of me is a massive Thor 75th anniversary poster and a hand-drawn picture of Groot. My brother, my brother and me poster autographed an Ant-Man poster. <laughs> uh, there's a, the head of George Takei on a stick that is sticking out of my accordion that holds my complete Weird Al collection and um, my National Park pamphlet binder. So, <laughs> dear God, man, dear bring God. Your, bring your nerd game, bro. I am... In my closet with my soundproofing foam. I do have some wrestling action figures in here. Um, there's a wrestling comic book, two wrestling comic books in here and some autographs. That's that's pretty much all I got room for. Um, and also my wife's Sailor Moon Japanese poster is behind oh Lord. me as well. That's, so, a Yuman that's a Yumanga, I think, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And so we've got the nerd shit covered here. If you can pick out a major nerd nerd fandom, 
you come into our basement, we can probably hook you up with something. There's some Doctor Who figurines. There's a, a Beatles uh, 3D uh, lithogram on the wall. It's fucking nerdy as shit down in our basement. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to touch a nerd, a nerve. <laughs> oh, I did there. And as you walk down the hallway to this room, there's uh, our five degrees that are on the wall. Our five different <laughs> college degrees that the that my wife and I have earned together in some yeah. form. Oh, and my new my uh, euphonium sitting in a new case too. So. Nice. We've got it all covered. Band nerd, TV nerd, board game nerd, comic nerd, vinyl record, autophile nerd. It's all Man. there. It's all I'm there. A, I'm Johnny from Karate Kid in, in, in comparison, apparently. I thought I was sort of nerdy, but I got nothing. I'm uh, like fucking Tarzan over here. Sweep the leg, motherfucker. Sweep the <laughs> leg. Yeah. <laughs> So is there anything you want to talk about this match? It's a good, it's a good match. Batista's yeah. back gets quote unquote injured during this one. Uh, so Yumaga of course works on it relentlessly. Um, they, they go back and forth quite a bit. Um, they're, they're both, you know, impressive dudes, really strong. Um, Umaga is somebody, again, somebody whose run I missed entirely back in the day. I don't, again, it was sort of kind of fell, it just fell into one of those periods where I wasn't watching regularly enough to catch him, you know? Um, but he's, you know, he's great. He has some of the characteristics that we like of, um, you know, the Islanders uh, from back in the day or the Wild Samoans, sorry, um, and and Rikishi and, and you know, that sort of agile big guy thing and the strength and, the, uh, and he sort of adds the kind of fear tough. quotient. He's got this toughness to him. That, like, yeah. He just, he just hits hard. Everything that he does looks beautiful and not a wasted motion. And, you know, I never really was that much of a Batista fan, but this is this is another good Batista match that, like, was really ma- kind of making me like him. I'll be honest with you. I spent most of this match just trying to figure out whether Umaga's design on his face was actual face tattoo or just makeup. <laughs> what'd you um, figure out i think it was just makeup but it's really on thick because at one point some of it rubs off on batista's ribs uh, and you could see that it faded a little bit uh okay. the crowd was definitely into umaga umaga was the crowd favorite in this match there was this great chant that was happening i don't know did you hear it there was this no, umaga they ch- they're going uma uma umaga uma uma umaga <laughs> like like nice. it was intense like a soccer chant like it was crazy and i think it might have just been because there was actually a lot of european fans uh on the sideline according to like all the flags that were being held up by folks instead of signs so it had a much more like uh european like soccer kind of uh crowd feel to it um, Lawler delivers a beautiful line to where he says, Batista got that crispy cream look to him. His yeah. eyes are glazed over. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I heard that. That was great. <laughs> yeah. And then Batista gets Umaga up for that power bomb. Good, Mike. Good God. Ooh. I hope they fix that hole in the ring in between. Another thing that last thing would have like just fallen apart. That's a whole lot of humanity hitting the mat at the same time that was a whole lot of man and there was a whole lot of power behind that man like he was umaga hit hard there was a whole there was a big drive and like and then batista even went down with it he threw him down so hard so it was a hell of a brutal finish to this match 
Yeah, it's good stuff. I'd say we're three for three on this card so far. Yeah. Um, that was billed as the battle for brand supremacy. It was a Raw versus SmackDown match. So um, in case that matters to you, I don't. I don't know. Batista was from SmackDown for what it's worth. So clearly that is the superior brand circa 2008. The next up is Chavo Guerrero versus Kane for the ECW championship. So earlier in the night before the show started uh, for the TV viewers anyway, and for the Peacock, there was a big ECW battle Royal to determine who would get to be the contender for the championship match against, uh, against Chavo. Um, So there's a little like recap of that stuff. And there's just a bunch of ECW guys who you, sort of remember but not really remember um and of course kane uh beats that whole crowd um so (laughs) this is a this is a squash match i didn't actually let's look at the official time on this one you want to tell the folks what happened while i do that yeah so uh one it's never good when chavo the champion is introduced first we we know that that is not a good sign uh so chavo gets down to the ring and he's standing there and then kane's music hits and uh but nobody's coming down the aisle and kane slips out from underneath the ring slides into the ring and then the the bell rings the lights come up chavo's locked into a choke slam he gets bounced off the mat by kane one two three that's the win (laughs) yeah so uh, wikipedia lists that one at 11 seconds and i believe the King Kong Bundy, uh, SD Jones, one that we just watched for a recent episode from WrestleMania one, uh, was clocked in at nine seconds, according to the official time. Right. And that it's, is, that is a bullshit time. It's been yeah. said that it's, it's a bullshit time. That match is closer to like 25 seconds because I mean, SD Jones tries some offense. King Kong Bundy does like three or four moves on him before pinning him. This, this match now it's, it's a one-move match. It's a one-move match. It's not as fast as Diesel beating Bob Backlund, but it is. This is a really fast match, and uh, I don't. It's a good squash match for what it is. I don't like that it's Chavo Guerrero. He deserves better. I don't know what the deal was. Maybe his contract was up and he was running, running away. I don't know. Poor, poor Chavo. I just wrote oops on my notes. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good look. Yeah. I just don't like him being a victim of a squash match. He yeah. He doesn't deserve that kind of booking. So those four were kind of the undercard and now we kind of are moving into the big events. So that means we get some filler. Everybody needs to go refill their popcorn and grab their beer. There's a weird little like vignette with Carlito and I think it's Maria um, at a resort and they're like having dinner on the patio and he gets attacked by a seagull and then he beats it to death with his bare hands. And I laughed and laughed and laughed because obviously that's hilarious. And the entire time they're playing the Mexican hat dance during it. <laughs> they're in Florida. No, Carlito Florida. is from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. The Mexican hat dance is not, is, is... <sighs> AKA Puerto Rico. I just, I just don't have the energy in me. I just. <laughs> it's such a weird little thing. Like the, the seagull hits him in the chest and there's like feathers flying everywhere. And he like, he's like, ah, and he like holds it down on the ground under the table out of sight. Of course, and just pummels it with his fists <laughs> and his date just sits there. Like I'd be, I'd be like, um, check please. This guy is unhinged. 
The only thing he didn't do was like put its head in his mouth and bite it off. Like that's that would have been a better ending. I mean, you could do that if you had the Undertaker or some or yeah. Kane like in this spot. Uh, I don't understand why it was Carlito. I don't know what they're going for. I don't know why they used the Mexican hat dance. Not all Spanish speaking people in North America are a Mexican. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what would have been a, a better end of that is if like uh, Ozzy Osbourne had like come in from the side and be like, "Are you going to eat yeah. that?" And yeah, scene. Great. Yeah, that then makes it funny. Uh, but then it actually ends with uh, another seagull taking a massive shit on Carlito's shirt. I mean, he kind of deserved that shit. Well, yeah, he does. Literally. He <laughs> does deserve it. But I would have preferred, like, a, like just give Chavo and Kane a real match instead <laughs> of this. I would have preferred literally anything else. Yeah. Um, so America's sweetheart Raven Simone is in the ring to talk about the Make a Wish Foundation. They've flown in 50 kids from 50 states with varying uh, ailments and conditions and et cetera, so they can watch the show, which is nice. Um, that's so Raven. Yeah, I mean, that looks like a nice thing. Oh, well, we yeah. should note that it's a rainy night in Orlando. So these kids that probably have compromised immune systems are sitting out in the rain. <laughs> um, hey. All they wanted was uh, their wish to come to a WrestleMania. They didn't. Uh, they didn't specify. True, true. And I guess if they wait a year, that could have been an issue. Um, <laughs> Ouch! Too <laughs> soon. <laughs> sorry. Leave sorry. Into the dead kid jokes over here. Sorry, sorry. It's Friday. That's you right. know, get a little edgy. Uh, so <laughs> at this point, we're we're like an hour and a half into the show, and we have not seen Kim Kardashian again. We haven't seen her again yet. Yeah, even though she's the official hostess, it's probably because she thinks she's at the Super Bowl. (laughs) Maybe she is in her mind. Um, So it's uh, we get a little video package on Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. Um, They're going to wrestle because I mean, make sure I understand this. They're going to wrestle because they're friends, and Rick is sort of starting to doubt, you know, whether he can still you know do it anymore. Um, But he wants to compete against the best to make sure, and he's he says Shawn is the best, therefore we're We'll we'll get it on, and if he can't yeah. hang with the best, he'll hang it up for good. Is that and, did I understand all that? Yeah, pretty much. But then Vince McMahon, for no other reason except to be a dick, tells Flair that the next time he loses, that's the end of his career. So it doesn't matter who he loses to. And then at some point, things get a little edgy, and Shawn Michaels compares Ric Flair to Old Yeller. Oh right, <laughs> yeah, oh. yeah. And all the Make-A-Wish kids cried and cried and cried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those that were old enough in that audience to get the reference, because I don't think they were showing that movie in schools anymore at that point. Uh, and then we get a Ric Flair promo, which is probably the most low-key, disappointing promo ever. If this was going to be the one that he's going out on, I would have wanted like that classic styling and profile and screaming, you got to beat the man, you got to be the man, you know, kind of kind of promo out of him here. But we don't. We just get a kind of like, I'm going to go win. Woo! And that's it. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's it's um, measured, right? And especially yeah. for especially for Rick. Um, the other thing it made me realize is there's not actually any other promos, zero, in this no. entire event there's no you know we're very used to the uh promo match promo match you know and there's nothing this that is literally the only one outside of the video packages that's an interesting change 
We had Mr. Kennedy yelling at Kim Kardashian about the Money in the Bank match, but I wouldn't call that a promo. He was just kind of like yelling his name at her, and she was just like, "What the fuck's going on? I don't, I don't know." Someone told me this was like the Super Bowl of wrestling, and so I don't know why this crazy man's yelling at me. Kind of, kind of, kind of look. Um, She's like, "All right, old man." It's very curious to me that that montage that they show of Ric Flair's career, they show like all this NWA footage, they show him beating Harley Race and uh, for his first NWA title, and they show like all kinds of other things. But in that montage, we don't get his 1992 Royal Rumble win. Bunch of bullshit. Which is probably one of his most impressive performances and like what really sets him as a WWF star. And it's not there. It's almost like they don't want to remember that. Well, because as we discussed on that episode, he was an afterthought there. And Hogan was supposed to be the big storyline. And, of course, Hogan's a dick. So, yeah. No. It's a a good setup. I I like the setup. So Rick has to retire if he loses. And this is a bit of a face versus face match here. Like, Sean isn't necessarily a bad guy. And he's not really presented as a bad guy. Um, but of course, no nobody wants to see him beat Rick and send him into retirement. You know, there's yeah. um, even his sort of entrance is kind of subdued. Sean's entrance, he's he's got his you know his chaps and he's got some fireworks, but they're like in stadium fireworks, you know. And there's no zip lines. But Flair, on the other hand, is uh, you know fucking resplendent. There's there's this echoing woo. It comes over the PA yeah. and just goes all around the stadium. And you see people have signs where, like, you know, one person has a W and then, like, 40 people in a row have an O. Yeah. Um, and that's really cool. He's got his robe buttoned up to the net. And there's, like, actual fireworks, not just, like, pyro in the stadium, but, like, shooting off of the roof into the sky yeah. fireworks. And they get um, that great camera angle. Uh, like, Flair stops at just the right spot and spreads his robe, like, like wings, and then the camera goes down below and shoots from below, and we see the fireworks go off right behind him in this absolute glorious uh, spectacle of of a pose moment for Ric Flair. And it's very emotional. It gets to you, especially now that this is like, what, the sixth episode that we've in a row that we've had to like really break down a Ric Flair match, and we've seen him in so many different phases of his career and in different promotions and now we're seeing what is supposedly his last match possibly uh, it's not <laughs> what <laughs> so and we get the so it's just like this really moving uh moment and uh it's it grabs you and it this match starts before starts with the entrances like Shawn Michaels is back to his heartbreak kid music and like his like little strutting like he's like he's like 25 again um and then it's flair kind of has that same kind of capsule come back to him like he he suddenly like is young again when that music hits for him and he's got the robes and the fireworks and like the just this glorious entrance that just shuts yeah, everything down. It's a thing of beauty. Um, and, you know, kudos to them for getting that shot. You know, I would, if I were Rick, I'd have that blown up and like painted on an entire wall in my living room. 
So it's uh, yeah, he looks good. He he's got you know he's got sort of the old man chest. He's sort of got things are sliding south a little bit, but uh, you know he's still he still can do it. He can go. He's in shape. He's not gassed out there. He, he's getting shit done. Um, Charles Little Nate uh, Robinson is the ref here, um, which seems you know a little uh, unfair, but a little knows, on right? the nose. But I mean, he was a referee in WCW, so it's good. It's a good, uh, good carryover to have him as the ref in there. Yeah, um, a good, good callback. So they trade some uh, arm locks and hammer locks and take down, you know, back and forth to start a little bit. And and Flair starts yelling at him. He's like, old yeller, huh? Old yeller, huh? <laughs> like just getting in his face. <laughs> Sean slaps him and uh, Flair starts bleeding from the mouth. Like he looks yeah. pissed. And then Flair just goes, first blood, brother. <laughs> so good. And there's, there's a moment and there's an exchange right before that where, uh, Flair does an arm drag takedown on Sean and then Flair lets go and goes woo and then like does his little strut and Sean like sells the irritation on his face so beautifully it's it's it really sets the tone for this match that like they might be friends but you can't take it out of Flair you can't stop it you can't stop the showboating you can't stop the dirty work you can't stop the fight in, in him and that you make him bleed just makes him happy you know <laughs> yeah this actually um, is one of the rare matches where uh flair doesn't bleed from the hairline uh you know and get all yeah get all crimson masked on us he gets a little like you said from the mouth i think was maybe uh legit but yeah a- after that he goes to lay in some hella tough chops on oh sean yeah <laughs> and i can't get enough of somebody actually slapping the shit out of sean michaels like that that is a uh, genre of entertainment that will never get old to me so yeah so this is about the time that my wife came and sat down and started watching a little bit with me you were asking me what chops are these are chops and she's like so they're just hitting each other in the chest <laughs> yes like yes she was like why they're hitting each other in the chest that's what they do like i don't understand <laughs> like i can't explain to you why chops are a thing but chops are a thing and they're great they're <laughs> especially Ric Flair's chops. He's really good at at them. And Shawn Michaels is laying in some good ones too. And there's there's some there's some there's a great callback in this match that um so at one point Shawn goes to the top rope and Flair catches Shawn and throws him down. But then Flair climbs the ropes and actually lands a crossbody. And that is exactly how he beat Harley Race at the first at that Starcade to win his first NWA title. Um, and yeah. it looks like the whole spot looks identical. Um, so that was very nice. Uh, and also we had Sean doing the flare spot of like getting caught from the top rope too, which is which is fun. And now we're at the really ugly, ugly spot to where uh, <laughs> Flair is now outside of the ring, leaning against the announce table, and Sean does a moonsault from the second rope uh, to try and catch Flair, but Flair moves, and Sean lands ribs first on the edge of the table. Oh, my God, that looks so <laughs> painful. He barely makes it back to the ring for the 10, which obviously is intended, but I I wonder if he still really wasn't breathing all the way um taking full breaths after that because I, I have no idea how he did that and wasn't like break break every bone in his uh sternum i wasn't and taking full breaths after that i <laughs> it was oh. intense 
and the table also explodes under him, but that like mm-hmm. one edge of the table stays vertical when he hits, and it's just like, <gasps> God, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they get back in. He eventually gets back in. They they get some more chops, of course. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about you know boxers, they say like the last thing to go is the punch, right? Like, you, yeah. you know, you lose your speed a little bit, you lose your reflexes, but the power of like twisting you know, from your hips and delivering it through your fist. It is, is one of those things that you can do for a long time. Uh, I think, I think it's the same thing with chops, you know? Um, so flares, he hasn't yeah. lost that yet. No, just, I still wouldn't eat a Ric Flair chop and he's what? 77 or so years old now. I would yeah. no Thanks. No, thank you. He's just so good at it. He's had a lot of practice, I guess. Um, 10,000 hours of chops. Yeah. So, <laughs> Flair lands his double underhook suplex and his break backbreaker. We've seen the crossbody. We've had the chops. So we've seen all of Ric Flair's offense now, except for the figure four. Running so now, drop. yeah, There's we the, had the, the knee drop, drop too. too yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so we're just waiting for that at this point. And then Flair, in a very spectacular moment, gets Sean in a vertical suplex and holds him up there for like a good five count. Uh, before dropping him down, which was very impressive considering Flair's age at this time of the match. And this is at the point to where Bryn asks me why it's a retirement match. I'm like, because Ric Flair is supposedly old and this is supposed to be his last match. She's like, oh, okay. And then the camera goes in really close on Sean and she goes, well, he's old too. (laughs) She is not wrong. I'm like, you're not wrong. This is actually Sean's return from retirement as well. Uh, so, I mean, he had returned a while ago, but this is his second time back or like his, his return run still. So, um, fun fact, one of Sean's eyes stayed retired. Yeah. It's still, it's still in his ranch in Texas or whatever. Yeah. He Um, does, uh, he gets a neck breaker on Flair to kind of reverse the momentum. Finally, um, Flair gets dumped over the top to the floor. It doesn't kind of an ugly spot. I was worried about Flair breaking a hip there. Um, and then he goes up again to do another moonsault to the floor and, and it, we're supposed to believe that he hit it, but he clearly missed most of it. Um, so to Sean, I would say, I mean, again, I know only one good eye or whatever, but like maybe stop doing moves that require you to turn your back to your opponent. It's not, it's not working out so well for you. Well, this is one of those moments where if there was still in standard definition, it probably would have looked okay. But in high def, <laughs> we can definitely see, we can see the miss. You could drive a truck through the space between them. Yeah. And we get this moment to where, like, uh, Flair is in the perfect position for a super kick from Sean. And then Sean couldn't do it, and he hesitates. And immediately, Flair sweeps his leg out and locks him in a figure four. Beautiful. Beautiful. Like, one fluid motion. Like, like he's suddenly, like, 30 again and just wrapping people up in a, in that horrible lock. Um Yeah. It's just pure muscle memory, right? Like he's yeah. got a like chopping people. It's one of those things he's done over and over and over and over again throughout his entire career. And he could he could probably do it. You know, I wonder if he's able to teach people how to do it, or if it's just one of those things that's kind of like instinctive at this point. 
Yeah, because, I mean, today you see a lot of people, like, it's like three or four movements for them to get someone into the figure four. But him, it's this one leg up, woo, and then he spins that leg just right around his leg and drops down and locks it in. Like, it's one fluid motion from him. Like, you could be standing there looking him in the eye, and in a blink, you're now on the mat in a figure four. (laughs) Yeah, so Sean uh, almost, he almost gets him. Uh, and he, he gets out of it and then it gives into a second figure four. This is really, it's really great drama here. Rick kind of drags him back to the yeah. center of the ring. So Sean can't get the, uh, rope break. Um, and then he, uh, he, he finally gets that one broken and he sort of beats Sean down on the ropes a little bit and kind of struts away. And when he turns around, he catches a super kick right in the face. Yeah. And then Sean starts yelling at Flair to get up. Like, they're both working the vocals and telling a great story here. Because, like, now Sean is pissed. It's it's time. Sean is like, all right, I can't lose this match. I need to still win. And uh, kind of kicks, kicks it in the high gear. And he locks in a weird, like, botched figure four on Flair. That actually looks weird. Looks worse for him. Like, it definitely looks like his knee is bending the wrong way a little bit uh on one yeah. side like i don't know what happened i don't know one if you put it backwards or like it well just... one of the announcers says something to the effect of he's putting on a reversed figure four or something like i'm like that's not a thing uh, so but it definitely himself in a figure four <laughs> it definitely looks weird i don't know maybe it's like you know how when you have a figure four on somebody and then they flip it over and all of a sudden you're it hurts you all of a sudden I, it was kind of like he did that Which from makes the no s- sense but okay no right it's kind of like he did that from the start. That's that's how yeah. I took it, but I also didn't under really stand what was going on. So yeah, <clears throat> and then uh, Sean finally get lets go of that. Flair lets go of it, and then um, and then we get that the magical moment. The I'm sorry, I love you, and the super kick right to the right to the jowls, <laughs> and down goes Flair, and the one two three. And then the hugging and kissing on the mat. Yeah, that's a it's a nice. I know you're not a big fan of that kind of thing, but it's a nice moment. And actually, Sean, when he gets up, he looks legitimately distraught as he's leaving the ring. Like, I, I don't know how much of it is is just you know selling well, or whatever. But the thing is, is that I'm okay with it here. And the reason why is that both of these guys were technically faces going into this match. Yeah, that makes sense. So the Rock Stone Cold bit, they were mortal enemies at the time. And then Rock finishes off Stone Cold, and then he leans over and talks in his ear and like, and like hugs him and stuff. Like, come on. Same with the like, the Brock Lesnar Kurt Angle one at the end of that WrestleMania. I understand why, because it's possible that Brock Lesnar had brain damage, but it's still like it kind of breaks it for me. This it makes sense. And like Sean realizes what he just had to do because he couldn't let himself lose this match to Ric Flair he had to finish him off because of his own ego and then he's like and then you get this moment together yeah where well, like, you, also, you also have to finish him off to be honest right and to be a real right. an actual friend because it doesn't uh help Flair at all if his best friend and his you know the best in the business takes uh takes it easy on him so that he can continue because right. if he t- stays out there he gets uh, maybe hurt next time right or he goes up against somebody who's doesn't want to take care of him quite the same way in the ring and and uh you know and ends up really 
cleaning his clock. So he, you know, he did it as an act of love, like he says. Uh, and it's a, it's a legitimately emotional finish. Um, Flair is laying there uh, as Sean exits, and he is he starts bawling like immediately. Like you can see tears yeah. in his face. It's kind of contorting. Eventually he gets up and the you know crowd is loving it. And his whole family is bawling in the front row. <laughs> yeah. His son over there. I swear to God, his son just watched the end of old yeller like four times while on the worst depressive drugs ever. Oh, that could be it. He could have heard the old yeller thing yeah. and then thinks that Sean is literally going to shoot his dad in the ring. <laughs> Like he's gonna really kill him. Uh, I don't but. know. Um, so there's a nice chance of thank you, Rick. And he, you know, he walks up the ring and he turns around. And he says, "Thank you, I love you." And it's great. You know, I mean, my only problem is like, how the fuck are we going to have a remainder of a show after that? <laughs> after right. That I literally was like, "How is this not the main event?" Yeah, it's crazy. I know it wasn't for a title or anything, but you know what's bigger than a title? Ric Flair's fucking career. Yeah. Beautiful, you know, and these guys did the best storytelling of the night, uh, hands down. And again, it's because it's Ric Flair, and now suddenly they're making me kind of like appreciate Shawn Michaels. I know, and I don't like Unfor- it. Unforgivable, <laughs> unforgivable makes, makes me uncomfortable, uh, because we just don't like Shawn Michaels as a person, but as a performer, I gotta give him props for this. Again, it's a great match, so. Well, you know, what's interesting about having Ric Flair do this with Sean is that Sean has made a good bit of his career over kind of being a Flair clone to a to some degree, right? Like he, a lot of the stuff that he does, you know, the healing, the kind of overselling, the, uh, you know, the flipping over the turnbuckle stuff um, was all very Flair influenced. The, the playboy kind of character. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The gigolo kind um, of thing. So it's, you know, it's kind of appropriate. Um, in its way anyway uh, amazing honestly it's it's really it's beautiful is a weird word to use for a wrestling match but this one's actually kind of beautiful so the the way that we follow up that kind of thing it's obviously with uh snoop dog in a pimped out bmw golf cart that has rims leopard seats and a fuzzy steering wheel leading a bunch of women to the ring like a gangsta pied piper um, for a quote-unquote Playboy Bunny Mania Lumberjill match between Beth Phoenix and Melina on one hand, who are with Santino Morella, in case this doesn't have enough layers for you, against Maria and Ashley. Uh, before we talk about that, there is, so this is like the intermission of the show, and there is a video segment uh, pushing the Edge versus Undertaker main event, and they're showing Edge and I don't know if you caught this, but they're talking the Edge is using being there at WrestleMania 6 angle and that he always wanted to be at WrestleMania. And he oh, always yeah. Wanted. yeah. So yeah. they did that this, this past time, didn't they? Or at some more recent WrestleMania, they used that whole kind of angle that Edge was at WrestleMania 6 uh, where Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior faced off and that that was a moment in his in his little young life that determined that he wanted to be a wrestler and be on WrestleMania and stuff. Uh, so I think it's yeah. interesting that they actually did that like 15 <laughs> years ago <laughs> as well. That, well, you know, if it works, you might as well uh, might as well get a couple of extra uses out of it. You know, 
Right. I guess so. <laughs> I guess I guess people forget. People forget that, that that they did that before. Yeah. So so Jerry Lawler says, well, this procession to the ring is happening. He says, this is amazing. And I was like, really, Jerry? Like, what what about this is at all amazing or somehow unbelievable or even remotely um, not terrible? I, I don't know. <sighs> It really looks like Snoop Dogg is in a pimped out Power Wheels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a pretty dope golf cart. Like, this whole bit is already taking too long, and Snoop isn't even to the ring yet. The participants haven't even been announced yet. And it's just like, Jesus Christ, make it stop. Make this stop. <laughs> this WrestleMania is losing points very fast. I like Snoop Dogg. I like his persona. I like his who he is. I I like his music, and I even like him being involved in WrestleMania. But god damn it, like they score all these points, and then they just like shit on women some more with this. Yeah, like goddamn crap. <laughs> so I did have uh, an amusing typo as I was writing up my notes on this. Instead of Lumber Joe, I typed Lumber Kill, which made yeah. me wonder why we haven't made a movie yet about a murderous group of female loggers we just called it lumber kills i would watch that yeah as long as they go got wood every single time before they killed somebody <laughs> that would be amazing and then for the sequel they could meet a sasquatch or something yeah so anyway there's um I, it's dumb all of this is dumb the only the, the only amusing thing that happens here actually is that the lights go out in the stadium in yes. the middle of this match and everybody just keeps wrestling that's how you know that wrestling is not real because like if that happened for real in the middle of a like a legitimate athletic contest you'd be like hold on let's wait till the lights come back on so we don't hurt each other kill each other um but no they just keep doing their spots um i think they get like maybe a spotlight from the lighting yeah ring. like a series of spotlights <laughs> from the outside are shining down to light up the ring now and um i give them props that they're trying to have a real match it, it they're kind of doing things the thing that irritates me again is that this is wrestlemania and beth phoenix is in this match and so that prevents the women's title from being defended not like she really had another real wrestler probably on the roster that she could defend it against except for like maybe michelle mccool or someone uh, but so we have all of the secondary titles, uh, in the WWE at this time being like sucked into gimmick matches. Yeah. It's a shame. Beth Phoenix is good. Actually. I like her. Yeah. Like I would hundred thousand percent have preferred a Beth Phoenix versus somebody good legit yeah. match. I don't know who that would have been. Like you said, she's really the only of the four who was sort of an actual wrestler here. Yeah. Um, and it's very clear that she like choreographed the whole match for them. That yeah. Them out. Uh, nice when, yeah. When the power goes out, uh, Lawler goes, did the undertaker just come out? <laughs> Good cover. Good cover. I'm yeah. sure the undertaker's getting involved in this shit match. Well, his wife was uh ringside. as one of the lumber jills. Yeah. So just saying it's possible. Yeah. Maybe she, maybe she called him, paged him down yeah. to the ring. Yeah. Bar- barred his, uh, lighting board access key. <laughs> And uh, Lawler leaves the announce position at one point to go punch Santino because he invo- he uh, interfered in the match. And then after the match, uh, Stoop Dog then beats the shit out of Santino. So <laughs> I say the crowd pops for Lawler slapping Santino more than they do for anything else. Yeah, um, it's the, the entire it's time that this is on. 
and we don't even really see it on camera either. Mm-hmm. And like, it's, it's, <laughs> we miss it at home, but the audience at least got to enjoy it. Yeah. After he, uh, Snoop Dogg slaps, uh, Santino, he makes out with Maria, um, which is gross. Santino is flipping out. I'm grossed out, but you got to admit that Snoop has a pretty amazing life. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Anyway, thank God that's over. We got uh, three more matches to go. This, you know, yeah. this is it start. This is where it started to drag for me a little bit. I mean, again, sort of readjusting after that uh, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair match. But um, this is a triple threat match for the WWE Championship. It's Randy Orton versus Triple H versus John Cena. Uh, get the usual video package on their feud and why they're fighting. I didn't really pay attention, so I couldn't explain it to you. But you can probably look it up. Um, my favorite part of this was John Cena coming out with a marching band playing his theme song. It was pretty dope. Um, His arms have gotten like progressively bigger. Like every time we've seen him, he gets more and more action figure. Like it's weird. (laughs) But I mean, that's the reason why like his original gimmick was the prototype. So, cause like he looks like, like a fucking Terminator or something. Uh, Triple H has actually a fairly subdued entrance. He's got his badass motorhead theme song. Um, And then here comes Randy. He's got the, uh, spinner belt, I think, which is the probably the worst championship belt of all time. Yeah, I mean, and I I don't really hate on I don't even really care about championship belts, but for some reason that one is just trash. <laughs> well, because it looks like some shit you'd get at the fair, you know, like yeah, there's all these polls online, uh, like which of the champions wore this belt better? Which one comes to your mind? It's like, I don't fucking know. I don't know what the championship belts look like, but I know that spinner belt fucking ugly. <laughs> that is all I know in this life. Is that a fucking ugly belt? Also, Randy's music is terrible. Terrible. Yes. I don't know what that was, but that was not good at all. I like that there was a, uh, there was an AT&T mobile poll and only 8% <laughs> of the people think Randy Orton will win this match. Hmm. Spoiler alert. And the uh, lighting has not been restored to the ring nope. yet. <laughs> it's probably rolling blackouts because it's Florida and everybody's running their air conditioner. Just a thought. I don't know. Um, so two out of three people in this match bore the shit out of me. Uh, and I don't generally like triple threat matches. So I not have very high hopes for this one. Yeah. I did like that there was, there was a couple like... Uh, ringside it might have been a whole family ringside yes uh, front row that put on homemade we hate cena t-shirts yeah shout out to that couple and every time yeah. uh, cena does something they're on the hard cam they stand up and give big thumbs downs yeah it's good they're <laughs> they're they're all in and yeah. it's it's what was really interesting that there was no real fan favorite in this match so it's really very weird no one really cared like I guess people kind of cared, but no one liked Triple H. No one was liking Cena and no one was liking Orton. Like they're all like Cena is supposed to be the face, but they're actually all heels technically in the kind of in this match. And so it was a very, very weird dynamic with the crowd about what was happening. I actually kind of like this triple threat match because at no point was there just like action between two people while the third person like laid outside of the ring dead for five minutes. Like it was always, always rotating, always all three of them wrestling. Uh, and then eventually the power does come back on and um, Ric Flair's son is still crying. 
<laughs> and he's afraid of the dark. Yeah, and we get Triple H using a version of the Indian Deathlock again. Yes, um, a classic, which is, which is crazy. And Jim Ross is screaming that he hasn't seen that in years, but I don't believe him um, <laughs> because I believe Triple H used it at some other point that we were watching. Yeah, so it hasn't been that long. I actually, I actually didn't even write it down in my notes because I started to. I'm like, oh yeah, we saw that before, and I, I remember Jim Ross flipping out about it that time too. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen that since the Great. Indian Deathlock Wars of 1990, whatever. Anyway. Yeah. And like, so like the crowd hated them all, but the crowd got really invested in this match. These guys really, really sucked in the crowd. Um, it might have been because Triple H's bronzer was starting to run. <laughs> and you could see it getting on other people, which is the joys of high definition television. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You got to make sure that shit is tight um, or just not use it, just accept it. Um, and Triple H lands a beautiful spine buster. And this match has a great ending, too, I thought, with uh, Triple H landing a pedigree on Cena. Uh, but then Triple H goes down for the pin. And right as he gets down for the pin, Orton punts Triple H in the face. Because uh, yeah. this is when Orton is using that stupid kick for a finisher. And then Orton pins uh, Cena for the win. So Yeah, he just dramatic. about punted his head off of his shoulders uh in that that spot yeah so yeah they actually i mean again i don't care for these guys necessarily i like john cena i don't care for the triple threat usually but they do a good job like you said of kind of keeping the action going um and that crowd that uh that couple in the front row with their shirts i was very proud of them i don't hate cena like they do but like i would i would have ridden to the show with those guys if they had yeah. offered me a ride for um, sure and this match I doesn't should... go too long either no it's uh it comes in at fourteen ten, which is not bad, not bad. Yeah, because they sometimes let these triple these triple threat matches drag a bit. They <laughs> get a little long winded. Uh, but this one constantly moving. Everybody's always involved in the action, and I thought it was pretty good. My only question, and again, is that why do rope breaks work in triple threat matches when it's no holds barred? <laughs> Because you gotta have rules, damn it. There's a uh it's still real to me, damn it sign. Yes. Um and I, I was wondering where that sign was during the Playboy Lumberjill match. That's they should have put that up. Um anyway, maybe what if that was like your idea of what real wrestling was and like you every time they did something like extra goofy, you you held up that sign. Imagine that's the only wrestling match you've ever seen in your life. Yeah. It would be a type of performance art, really. Yeah. And you and if people asked you about the greatest matches of all time, you'd like always mention like just the absolute worst garbage. You'd be like, you know, I really liked the uh, Playboy lingerie pillow fight <laughs> from WrestleMania twenty, whatever that was, and just be like totally sincere about it. Don't condescend to it. Don't don't wink at it at all. You know, just say, you know, those ladies they really they came out. I really believed they were having a pillow fight. I really, you know, I was so much tension and whether or not they would get to their underwear and anyway i was really i really loved that bud light girls match (laughs) an all-timer you know a lot of people talk about uh bret hart versus Shawn michaels in the 60 minute iron man match but you know to me that's a little overrated um it's really uh you know the the boogeyman versus uh king booker and charmel um (laughs) it's really is the one i would put up there Oh, it's so good. It's so good. 
There's a oh. this is there's a type of there's a type of nerd for this. There has to be, right? The Schadenfreude wrestling yeah. fan. <laughs> yeah, there's a nerd for everything. <laughs> or for um, or maybe your favorite matches like this next one, which is uh, boxer Floyd Mayweather, Floyd Money Mayweather, that is, versus the Big Show in a no disqualification boxer versus wrestler match. Um, you know, I, I just wrote down this is going to go great. It's always such a good time when they put a boxer and a wrestler together and magic inevitably follows. But I will say this is actually kind of entertaining. This match is good. Yeah. Straight up. I was mad at myself for how much I liked it. It's Big Show's best WrestleMania match, at least that we've seen so far. (laughs) It is spectacle that we haven't seen since Sensational Sherry ringside. And it's it's a circus match, and it's a great circus match. There's this chaos. For some reason, there's a person in the crowd flying a West German flag. They've been <laughs> unified for ten years at this, or fifteen years at this point. Where did you get that flag from? There's this. And that was David Hasselhoff. <laughs> it had to be. It had to be. But this and the crowd, the crowd is is hyped. But like they also pump in crowd noise with Mayweather's theme song, which is great. Uh, you can tell it because you can hear it loop. <laughs> uh, I love that the boxer Mayweather is actually the heel in this match. Yeah, Big Show is the face. Normally in these gimmick matches, like when they brought Mike Tyson in or something like that, the celebrity that's coming in is the good guy and the wrestler is the bad guy. Like even with that Larry Zabisco match that we watched uh, from Wrestle Rock, like and that one was great, but the wrestler was the heel in that match. We've got Big Show looking in amazing shape. We've got Mayweather yeah. and his whole entourage. I don't know and how many guys were there. There were so many guys. You love every single one of them because they're all bigger than Mayweather. So it's this great look. So like they do this below down shot again like they did with rick flair with the fireworks but they do it with mayweather and mayweather stops and everybody poses and like mayweather is the smallest guy there and it's so good that he's the fighter and it's 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 so great but like and then like mayweather tries tries to box just straight up box big show that's not working big show (laughs) tries to wrestle with mayweather but he can't catch mayweather so what's going to happen shit's going to get dirty and it's so great yeah so the the reason they're fighting is because floyd came to the defense of ray mysterio at the no way out pay-per-view a little you know before all this um and then it's sort of one thing led to another as it does and now he's got to fight uh, the world's largest athlete. Uh, actually, the announcer says it's the greatest fighter in the world versus the largest athlete in the world. Um, so, yeah, so when they start out, he's, like, dodging and weaving, and whenever he gets an opening, he, like, turns around and, like, just hits rapid-fire punches on Paul like he's a heavy bag. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It um, does nothing. It does nothing. And, and Paul could, you know, it if, if we're being realistic about it, he could easily just grab him, bear hug him, crush his skull with his hands and like toss him over the top rope into the crowd Uh, or he could just fall on top of him and lay there really if he wanted to do that right Um, i mean we do see some of that happening and eventually but like mayweather's got this handler like his manager or something like that and he is the greatest pro wrestling manager 
in a very long time that we've seen, and he's not even a pro wrestling manager. Yeah, that guy's great. Like, he's like the hype man. Yeah, Mayweather's getting hurt, and he's screaming into the ring, you all right, baby? You all right, baby? This is for your kids, baby. This is for your kids, baby. Like, it's so good. Like, there's this, like, all this craziness, and eventually Big Show gets frustrated, and he's able to catch some of the big dudes in the entourage and starts beating the crap out of them. He starts laying waste to everybody, and then he finally gets hold of Mayweather, and Mayweather actually starts taking some hits like yeah he really does he lets, i was worried for him yeah like he lets he uh big show does his giant palm slap right on the mayweather's chest it sounds like a gunshot echoing in a stadium oh like he's not a pro wrestler i mean he's a boxer so he's used to eating some hits but man not hits yeah. like that and then like big show stomps on his forearm and the crowd goes crazy and he takes a sidewalk slam from from big show and the crowd is just eating it up. These guys, it's like they have great timing with it. And then eventually it gets really dirty. Yeah. There's a there's a couple of spots throughout here that I really like. So one is after that first you know few exchanges, uh, Mayweather kind of retreats to his corner. And his corner guys hand him this like chalice um, of water, <laughs> gator, whatever. It's this huge, ridiculous um, Indiana Jones and the Lost. Uh, yeah. Last Crusade. Last, last Crusade. Um, holy grail cup <laughs> like two handles and, and paul comes over and uh clocks the handler and tosses the chalice to the floor and reaches down to the floor and grabs another guy and just like yanks him into the ring and chops him half to death <laughs> yeah it's and so then there's <laughs> then they he uh floyd at one point like is sort of like, well fuck this i'm getting out of here so all the guys kind of take a powder and they start up the ramp um and uh big show goes after him and like tosses a few of the hype men out of the way and basically drags floyd back to the ring that manager hype gun or whatever he is that guy is fantastic like so there's a part where um after the that huge chop from big show and he's like standing on floyd's chest on the ropes um, that guy is yelling in the um, ring. He's like, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. He's just telling him, you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't what do a, that. Like, Oh, it's so th- good. What do you think? No DQ means. You know? Yeah. And all the, um, when he stands on Floyd, all the hype men like flip out, like, like that's their guy. Like, Oh my God, what are you doing? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so it's, they're yeah, really great. making this they're really making this match for Mayweather. They're really helping with the whole the whole thing. Like they're really helping May- look like Mayweather really trying to sell stuff. And then but then eventually a chair, a steel chair comes in and they hit they hit Big Show in the back with a steel chair and he's just like, "What?" <laughs> and he turns around, but then Mayweather gets a hold of a chair and cracks him in the head and Big Show takes two big chair shots right to the head without putting a hand up and it's just like Ugh. right and in the then dome. yeah and then mayweather goes and gets brass knucks and lands a big right hand to big show's chin and down goes the giant and you got a full stadium seventy five thousand people booing <laughs> all of them booing and it's such a great sound and they're all booing like he mayweather's the biggest heel on the card the whole night well, and he, you know, he's a dirt in real life, right? So, like, it's kind of appropriate. Um, this is, like you said, it's a circus. It's a lot of fun to watch, actually. I didn't, um, I didn't have any expect. I mean, I did have an expectation. Actually, I thought it was going to be terrible, um, but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. So, 
kudos to those guys. And good job, Paul Whiteford. Like, yeah, really. One, like being in stellar shape. Uh, and two, just going for it, man. And he takes care of Mayweather. Yeah, so he, he does. Protects him. You can see he's he's protecting him with what he's doing, but at the same time, it's it, it looks brutal. It looks like he's beating up a man one third his size. But just a uh, just a tip to the to the editing truck for WrestleMania here. You're now in high def, so don't give us a slow motion replay of the knockout punch. That was not a good idea because in the slow motion replay, you can tell that that right hand with the with the brass knuckles actually just went into Paul White's uh, shoulder. And then the fist kind of just like that takes the brunt and then just a little bit grazes across his chin. Um, so it was definitely a show punch. And you revealed that to the world when you did the <laughs> replay because at full speed, that shit looked real. Yeah, for sure. At least show the replay from like a different angle, you know, so it's sort of obscured, like from the back or something. Um, anyway, we're on to another. We get another uh, beach vignette. Here's a uh, this one's super short. It's like almost like uh, I imagined it or something. There's a, a nerdy guy who proposes to a hot girl, but then just like Batista just comes and like knocks him out, him out, yeah, and gets the girl. Hashtag Florida. I mean, it's pretty accurate. I mean, if you've ever been to South Beach and seen the men that look like Batista that just work out on the playground along the beach all day, like literally there's just like a playground, like a swing set and a jungle gym and like chin up bars and stuff. And it's just filled with muscle men working out. There's no kids. <laughs> there's, uh, they just use it as their gym. Um, and then we finally have uh, Kim Kardashian finally returns and the crowd doesn't give a shit. Uh, Not at all. She, and she announces the crowd size of 74,635. And the crowd is like, give yourselves a big hand. And then she's like, that's big. That's like really big. And that's that's it. <laughs> she's another thing that we have uh, we have to OJ to blame for. The OJ trial. You know, Robert Kardashian doesn't yeah. uh, serve as uh, you know, one of the major attorneys for OJ Simpson. We don't have any reason to be interested in his family. If his wife hadn't divorced him and then got married to Bruce Jenner, then this definitely wouldn't have happened. And then Bruce Jenner becomes Caitlyn, and then... And now we all have to fucking put up with this nonsense. So, right. Yeah. Thanks a lot, OJ. Um, so we're up to the main event, I guess, such as it is. Yeah, and we have a video teaser that makes you... that Like, oh, how cute. Edge thinks he's going to end the Undertaker streak. Isn't that <laughs> Adorable. cute? <laughs> Adorable. The kids, they're, you know, they're just so confident these days, you know? Yeah. Hey, I heard he was at WrestleMania 6. Is that true? <laughs> it's true. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's your favorite bit, too. It's it's the torches and the quote-unquote druids. <sighs> run out. Sigh. Although at least this time they're only on the soundtrack. There's no actual druids. Yeah. Um, on I the mean, well, there's there's dudes holding torches. Was there? Yeah. Okay. It just it was rainy and foggy because the smoke isn't dissipating <laughs> from all the fireworks. Yeah. So like it's kind of getting cloudy in there. But there was dudes holding torches, and um, I just don't know why they call them druids. It's not really what a druid is. Druid is like a Celtic priest or just someone high up in in like Celtic society and like. They didn't all wear hoods and carry torches. <laughs> like I would, monk would have maybe been a little bit better, or or just call them wraiths or something like that, like another undead term or something with the Undertaker. But yeah, 
druids, you're kind of like, you're actually like hitting on something that's really real. And I mean, I guess monks would be too, but like. Maybe demonic monks. Yeah. I those are know. things. Right. Satanic monks. Undead monks. F- followers. Just call them Undertaker's yeah, followers. Yeah, the or followers. Like, or apostles, I guess, you know. <laughs> But, um, um, didn't oh, acolytes? Where, wasn't that where the acolyte thing came from? Yeah, so yeah. they are they were the uh, Undertaker's minions, acolytes. Yeah, they could so. bring that back with hoods. Um, yeah. There's a video recap of the Undertaker's uh, undefeated WrestleMania streak, and I, uh, you know, so this is going to be his chance to advance to 16 and 0 if Edge doesn't stop it for him. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> made, made myself laugh. Um, but there's some he's had some unfortunate haircuts over the years. There's a yeah. there's one where he looks like uh Chris Gaines, you know, the Garth Brooks alter ego slash yeah. Trent Reznor. Um I wasn't sure. I think he maybe had been I mean, I know he always shops at the hot topic, but maybe he was like maybe Bargain. he was in the bargain session, the hot topic that time Look, that year. None of those haircuts are as as, as unfortunate as his current haircut. Or like Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's trying to be like, like an old fashioned Chinese street merchant (laughs) with the long ponytail and the shaved sides of his head. I don't know what he's going for with this look. I don't know why he's doing that to himself. I don't know why he's doing that to his wife. There's no way Michelle McCool thinks that's attractive. But you know, I'm not going to get involved in their in their life. I assumed I it was some kind of Viking throwback, white supremacy thing, just given his political proclivities. Um, but I, I'm not. Who am I to judge? Have you seen my hair lately? It's terrible. It's not as bad as this. <laughs> I'm on. Like when he took off his hat at his Hall of Fame induction. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that? What? He's gonna, <laughs> he's gonna go around the country doing speaking engagements with that haircut. Yeah, I can't even really remember what he said in that speech, but I remember <laughs> his hair. I remember that awful hair, and then he has it in like all the biographies that they've done lately, and all those interviews and stuff of him because they're celebrating his his incredibly long career, which actually you know is long, but he's had there's people with longer. Uh, that just blows me away. I. I would not show up in public with that haircut. Anyways, back to the match. Uh, oh, sorry, we got distracted so, by again, the Undertaker's haircut. Again. I like that they had the Undertaker come out first since he's the challenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kind of trying to make you think Undertaker's going to lose this match to Edge. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> Toast adorbs. Michael Cole will not stop talking over the Undertaker's entrance. It's spooky. It's supposed mm. to like get you and like it's supposed to be all inspiring and like and like taking your breath away and take your words away. And like but Michael Cole just talks right through it. We've had that problem with him before, previous where like and you know, he's rolling down the aisle real slow and moody and dark and Michael Cole's just fucking yammering away. Like it's the fucking worst. Yeah. Just seriously. Um yeah, he's in a uh, he's got this weird, like leather, uh, leather sleeveless coat thing that's like buttoned up to the neck. But then when the lights come on and you can see like all the water from his hair is running down the front, it looks like he's wearing like a salon cape. Like it's like he's just trying to get his dead ends trimmed off or something. Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's anyway. It's a weird look. We're really we're really picking on the Undertaker here. For, yeah, fuck that know. guy and fuck this match. <laughs> this shit bores the hell out of me. These are two maybe the most boring wrestlers of this particular time, and they're like, hey, let's put them together at the end of a card that has way better things on it already, and then see if we can make you care. Spoiler alert: they can't because it's fucking terrible. Yeah, I just don't feel Edge as a main eventer. Um, the match starts out with a, a pretty standard Undertaker match. Like, he's fairly dominant. And then he goes for this high hip check while Edge is, is in the against the ropes in the corner. And I don't know what the heck happened, but, like, suddenly the Undertaker flips over the top rope and lands on the outside really hard. And I don't know if that changed the, the progression of this match. Like he went for this hip check and he goes flying over the ropes. Like he got too high and too much momentum or something. Um, but the crowd is fairly dead through this whole match. Yeah. And there's not a lot to get into it. There's no real rhythm to it. It's yeah. a lot of, we were discussing this before we hit record. It's like, there's no sort of storytelling or build up and release. It's just one big move from Edge, one big move from Undertaker. Undertaker tries a big move, but Edge reverses it and does a big move of his own. You know, so they all, they run through all of the big moves. You know, there's the dive over the top rope. There's a spear. There's a choke slam. There's a last ride. There's a power bomb. There's like everything that you would expect them to do at some point. Just just like one after another take taking turns do it basically and i i just yeah i don't i, I don't like it i honestly i'll tell you what this match felt like after we've been talking about it and it finally occurred to me it really really reminded me of like these roman reigns versus brock lesnar matches to where like they just there's just nothing and then there's like a little cluster of action and then they both lay down dead again and then there's a little cluster of action as they got themselves back together and then before you know it 20 minutes has passed and nothing has happened there's been no storytelling there's no there's no been like any shifts in in like energy or or momentum like there's no time period where like the undertaker is really dominant and then edge is really dominant and then they like push back and forth and there's a big reversal and a dramatic moment it's this like eventually the match like the last like 10 minutes of this match is undertaker goes for a move edge counters it undertaker goes for a move edge counters it undertaker goes for a move encounters it and this match ends the most famous bit out of this match actually is the famous charles robinson run from the back yeah <laughs> and he is booking it because that ramp is long like i would have had a heart attack straight up trying to get from point a to point b down that ramp yeah the 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 poor ref um get i wrote he first the well, first i wrote they bumped the ref and i'm like i uh, no, i erased that actually he catches a freaking boot to the face so yeah it's not it's not pretty and then like edge pushes him out pushes his body out of the ring <laughs> and then uh charles robinson comes running down because edge kicks out of the last ride and we got edge then tries to do the tombstone on the undertaker that's not a good plan. You, that's not how you end the streak. But don't tell Michael Cole that because every single near fall, Michael Cole screams, the streak is over. It's not over. It's not over. Come on, it's not, man. It's not close to over. The moment you booked this match, everybody knew who's winning. Yeah. Everybody knew. 
I'm, I mean, if you want to make Edge the mega, mega superstar, then yeah, he's going to break the streak. But Edge isn't that guy. No. Um, so the actual finish to this one is he uh, Edge hits a couple of spears, and then he puts his hand on the Undertaker's chest. Uh, I guess is he's, was he going to pin him, or was he going to try He's trying to something else. Anyway, and when he does, Undertaker grabs his arm and locks a chokehold on him. Uh, and Edge taps out, and Undertaker gets the win. Yeah. Uh, I actually kind of like that finish a little bit. I like the way that he went into I'm not a big fan of, like, fake MMA Undertaker. I don't buy it at all. Um, but that was actually a halfway decent, uh, what, what do they call it, the Hell's Gate? And it's just a, um, yeah. it's like a foot chokehold, basically. It's a weird-looking submission that the Undertaker started using. I never liked it. I never liked him doing it because it doesn't look right for him doing it. A six foot ten dude doing it. It's like us like like why is Hulk Hogan doing a doing a schoolboy pin or a small package? You know, it's it's that kind of thing. Imagine if Andre the Giants like finishing move was like a rear naked choke. Like it, it doesn't it, <laughs> Can you imagine? It just doesn't work. The Undertaker's too gangly and but like too rigid he doesn't have that frame to do it like taz doing this as a finisher makes sense chris benoit doing this as a finisher or eddie guerrero yeah they got the they got that build they got that look the undertaker doesn't the undertaker like especially after having at this point 16 years of the undertaker's matches ending in tombstone and then crossing their arms across their chest and not a real like wrestling pin and just being on top of them and rolling his eyes back and then suddenly you have undertaker doing weird submission holds to win it's just, it just doesn't feel authentic at least to an undertaker fan like i was so i uh, i i like the ending because i like edge losing in an in this way but it's not an undertaker finish if that makes sense yeah no 100 percent um it was i like the way that i guess i like the way that he got into that move this time it was a it was one of the more naturalistic uh possibilities to get there you know what i mean but right it's again it's it's fake mma undertaker i've never been a fan ever since he started wearing those fingerless mma gloves he's he's convinced that he's like ken shamrock or something um i'd like to see an actual legit fight between ken shamrock and the undertaker like a shoot because he would ken shamrock would like turn his legs inside out and insert them in his own rectum and then pull them out and choke the undertaker to death with them like he would he would do, he would do his yeah. there there'd be no chance no. so i don't buy this guy even if i don't care how much ufc he watches you know i watched a, a lot of ufc in my day i uh i have no illusions that i could pull off anything remotely convincing my voice is about uh shot for this episode so we should probably get on before i uh succumb to my fever uh, yeah. and start start really saying crazy shit you have a best match that's not rick versus sean no okay Good. Me neither. Do you have a worst match that's not the women's bullshit? No. Okay, good. Me neither. <laughs> All right, we're done here, right? Oh, I uh, got an oh shit moment, though. Oh, yeah. What, what was yours? Uh, I said, oh shit, the first time Big Show got his hands on the uh, Entourage dudes and started <laughs> wiping them out. It's like, All right, if I can't beat up Mayweather, I'm going to take out your whole crew. And that was that was spectacular, especially when the one guy takes the bump off the side of the ring to the floor 
and then another one takes a bump of being thrown into the security gates. I was yeah, like, these great. guys aren't trained wrestlers, and they're they're looking pretty good here. This is this is this is good shit. Uh, and so, therefore, I said, oh shit. <laughs> That's a good reason. No, that whole that whole thing was amazing. That was a lot of fun. There's a lot of uh, oh shit bait in the ladder match, but I feel like that's kind of like they, they dangle that, you know, to get you to pick that one. Um, probably something from mine probably came from the Ric Flair match. Honestly, it would probably well, you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. So it may be that the sound of those chops laying into Porsche mm-hmm. Michael's chest is a pure thing of beauty, or it's the uh, backflip off the ropes um, with mm. uh, Sean's ribs landing directly <laughs> on the edge of the table. <laughs> That's making me cough just thinking about it again. Yeah. Oh. I think that would probably also made Sean say, oh shit. Anyway, overall rating for this WrestleMania 24 from uh, the Citrus Bowl? Um, I think I'm giving it like a 3.5. And I was impressed that this episode you did not call him The Edge, even though Jonathan Coachman did call him The Edge <laughs> at one point during the match. There's still time. There's still um, time. There is still time. I'm impressed that you made it through. I just don't buy him as a main eventer. He's a he's a great mid card next to next to the top guy. He was a great tag team talent. I just I just have never bought him as the big time solo talent. Yeah, I, it's a, sort of a mystery to me why they decided to make that guy like a main event main event material. And I mean, I guess you know, I guess he's over. I guess he sells merch, but. Um. Yeah. Whatever. He, he's a he. Rem- he's like a character actor, right? Because he's got kind of a unconventional face. Um. He doesn't do a whole lot that's like interesting, though. Really. So he makes a lot of faces. I think William Defoe should play him in a movie. That's. <laughs> they have the same eyes. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy eyes. I still think of that poster of where they use giant googly eyes on a caricature of, of Edge at that one pay-per-view that they did. Yeah. That was like that is frighteningly accurate. It <laughs> <laughs> was untouched actually. That was a that was a, fear, a photograph. Yeah. It was, um, <laughs> it was in high def. That's why you could see the difference yeah. that way. Yeah. So I think yeah, I would probably put this in about the same neighborhood 35 3.75 maybe um on the strength of oh. that Rick Flair match alone. Uh, women's matches bullshit the triple threat matches eh, all right um the beginning of the card is really solid it's a great start and it looks it looks amazing like the yeah. you know the outdoor setting the fireworks the um the the stadium and like the just the craziness of the set that they built for this thing like it's really over the top and so it's you know it's interesting and it looks spectacular like you said in hd uh, like one of the things that so that Ric Flair entrance with the fireworks keeps coming to mind. And Batista, when he does his entrance he does his machine gun thing and like just the way that he's lit and like, um, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. So yeah, three, three point, I go on 3.75. I'm going to wow give him a little extra credit just There's for a COVID handicap in there. <laughs> it's a COVID handicap. Yeah. But I'm sure maybe we'll, there's always room to adjust. Uh, as we do every episode, we like to just take a moment to pay tribute to the men and women that we've seen from this WrestleMania who are no longer with us for number 24 from 2008. That in-memoriam list includes ring announcer Howard Finkel, some folks from the Hall of Fame class, Jack Briscoe, Rocky Soulman Johnson, High Chief Peter Maivia, Leah Maivia, 
Mae Young, Pat Patterson, Eddie Graham, Gordon Sully, and Reed Flair, son of Ric Flair, from the women's tag team match, Ashley Massaro, and from the ECW Battle Royal, which we don't really see the whole thing, uh, Lance Cade. So that'll do it for today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening. As always, send us your questions, your comments, your requests, your feedback to all the WrestleManias at gmail.com. Find us on the webs at all the WrestleManias.com. On Twitter or Instagram, just look for all the WrestleManias or on Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. We love hearing from you. We hope you enjoyed the show. And so for now, I'm Tim. And I'm Rich. Saying presumably, if I don't die of COVID, we'll see you soon. Yeah.